Welcome to episode 201 of the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. My name is Paul McGinty. With me, as always, are Ian Sharpley. Hello. And Matt Casale. Hello. It is Monday night, June 26th, and tonight we've got a special guest. Good friend of the podcast, Wayne Wilson, is in to join us. Good evening. Hello, Wayne. Hey, guys. Hey, Wayne. Great to be back. Thanks for having me again. Thanks what? for lending us your kids for the video edition. It was like yeah, uh, the, old, the young edition, the young generation, the old generation, the seasoned veterans. I was gonna say old thanks, seasoned vet, yeah. wise, wise, ah, I like seasoned that. vets. Tonight we're gonna discuss the actors that have epitomized the comic book characters that they've portrayed. For example, Christopher Reeve's Superman. He became Superman for generations he is Superman what other actors have done that have the potential to do that and which ones did the absolute opposite and had <laughs> no business being the characters that they were portraying I'm excited for that part now well you know McSauce thrives on negativity <laughs> but before we get into the positives and the negatives we do housekeeping with Ian Sharpley I think that's just a positive there, right? Absolutely. You know? McSauce.com, full of positivity. Comic strips, podcasts, chock full of positive energy. And, of course, the reviews that Paul does that I'm sure are negative and incredibly anti-artist, anti-writer, anti-the books he's reading. No, no. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I talked about how I don't like the way Zod is portrayed in comic books. He's always armored up to the teeth. He's always, you know, just big black armor and threatening. I like the yes, understated uh... Terrence Stamp from the 70s Superman movie. He's a general. It's in the realm of reason that he could possibly be like I get that. it. I get it. But I, I like that, like, Terrence Stamp is so threatening without... Without his that threat being, you know, portrayed on the outside, mm. he lets he lets his attitude and his words make the threats. And by the time we get to the end of Man of Steel, when Michael Shannon strips down and he just has the black suit on, like I was really excited for that because I didn't need all that excessive Kryptonian armor. I don't know what we were just talking about or how we we're got this. House housekeeping. <laughs> Speaking of excessive Kryptonian armor. Which is, which is what housekeeping really is. Uh, you can check us out on Facebook. Mc, type in McSauce on Facebook. Type in McSauce anywhere, and you're going to get our nonsense. If you go to Instagram. M-C-S-O-S-S. Correct. Instagram. If you go on YouTube. If you go on Facebook, you can find different McSauce outlets that way. And as always, if you could... If you listen to this podcast through iTunes, drop by, send us a review. If you can give us five stars and a nice review, that would be great. It always helps to get more eyes on the podcast that you love and we love. So if you can, five stars in the iTunes library, please. And uh, with that, I think we're going to get into some superhero movies and Maybe even some television shows. Maybe even some uh, cartoons. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. So we saw Wonder Woman. And mm -hmm. there was some talk after about how Gal Gadot was so good. She's going to epitomize Wonder Woman for a whole generation. And I do believe that is true. I think it also has a lot to do with she's the, you know, She's the Wonder Woman that most eyes will ever be on. Um, you know, I'm sure China didn't get the Linda Carter Wonder Woman series when it was premiering in the 70s. <laughs> uh, Gal Gadot is going to you be worldwide that. Wonder Woman. So many more people are going to see A her. triple dub? The world... Wait, the, the quadruple dub? Worldwide, worldwide Wonder, Wonder Woman? Woman? <laughs> <laughs> or is it worldwide... A uh, contract, word. Uh, uh, yeah. A, a one, word. Um, one word. So it's still it's just word. the. Oh, what's what's, the what's, more, what's more fun? Quad dub, tri dub. <laughs> quad dub. 
Worldwide Wonder Woman, the quad dub. And that led us, that got us into talking briefly about what other actors have been, have been, you know, standard bearers. The gold standard for portraying these comic book heroes. And we're going to talk about it. Matt, what are your thoughts on the subject? I think it's a good subject. What's it take? What's it take to be... Christopher Reeve. I think we can all agree on this podcast. Christopher Reeve. What does is, it take? <clears throat> um, he's the gold standard of a actor being a being the character. I think there's a little bit of a kind of a an intangible to the whole thing. Like you can't. I don't know exactly how to quantify being kind of synonymous with a character like Christopher Reeve is with Superman. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's kind of a, a, a mix of everything. Do, do they have the right look? Does, do they embody like the qualities that you feel like you see when you read the character on the page? Does it feel like those things come to life? The way they, they talk, like their, their voice, their sound. How, uh, how about even if a actor's presence is so undeniable that it transforms the way that other mediums handle that yeah. character is that is that also in the ballpark of what we're talking about I think that might be a byproduct of it but I'm not I don't think that is what to me at least defines like somebody kind of owning that role Yeah you don't think that their uh, pure charisma and the way that they handle it Changing well, let me all the different let me iterations. You, let me give you an example. Uh, Hugh Jackman, uh, all seven feet tall of Hugh Jackman, who plays Wolverine, who is known to be a five foot tall character. Uh, Hugh Jackman comes in, everybody loves his portrayal of Wolverine. So what do they do? Well, they don't change the regular Wolverine, but they come up with this ultimate universe thing, right? And they, and they make ultimate Wolverine six foot tall, just like he is in the movies in order to kind of like match the popularity of Hugh Jackman. Now, does that make mean to me that, that Hugh Jackman is the definitive silver screen version of Wolverine? Well, I guess he's the only one to this point, but like, I don't feel like he defines the role of Wolverine the way, I'm gonna come back to Christopher Reeve before I tell you who like my number one pick is, the way Christopher Reeve has kind of owned that Superman role. Do you think that height is the only the only thing that defines Hugh Jackman's um, portrayal of Wolverine? Because I, you I don't come, know like, I don't know if I should take your question seriously because I, I don't think you're being serious when you ask me that. Uh, but I will take you seriously. Fired. The answer is no. It's not just height. But okay. But, the but, reason I ask is because I knew that you were going. I knew that Wolverine and Hugh Jackman was going to be the first character that you brought up. Well, that's fantastic that you're such a, a savant. But, uh, but that's like that doesn't. The correlation between, uh, you know, like your what, nitpicks and the topic. <laughs> okay. His height is not a nitpick. It is it is one of the more defining physical traits of that character. And it is really, really badly miscast in that way. It just is. It's a fact. It is badly miscast. In that How, way. In, in, in that in, way. In that way. However, I think that <clears throat> you always come back to this. And it, it is your... Yeah. It's the hill that you die on it's all the time. <laughs> it's, the, it's a seven-foot hill of Wolverine that you die on every time. And I think by looking at specifically that trait, you undersell all of the great things that Hugh Jackman <laughs> brings to that character that fit exactly into what Wolverine I go to that is one, as a character. I go to that one because it's easy for me, but I look, I have an entire like box of ammunition on uh, aspects of characters that that are like where the casting is flawed, whether it's a physical trait or it's like an acting performance. Um, I'm not doubting your ammo. I'm just I, the particular target that you chose. I okay. knew it was going to be the target, and I knew why. Since it ruffles your feathers, I will pick a different 
a different height issue character that like, I have. Can, why don't we stay like? like why do we stay away from? Can we fuck height for a second? Let's stay with Wolverine for a little bit. Okay. Like, do you? Like, what do you think about Hugh Jackman's portrayal? And let's go around... Hugh Jackman's portrayal. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like, let you you tell me a little bit about it. Like, what what do you like? What do you dislike? Uh, Hugh Jackman, especially in the first movie, I, I liked him. I thought, you know, it was pretty cool, especially at the time. But there's, there is a, um, kind of like a... I don't know what the word is, like a, a, a well-traveled weariness to the character that didn't exist in the original version of Wolverine in the um, first X-Men movie back in 2000. He was a pretty young guy. He didn't look old. Like He didn't look like he had been around much. His acting was... Watch that first X-Men movie again. It He definitely becomes a better actor over the years, and he's not that great in it. Um, I think we liked him at the time because he kind of like had like that ferocious side a little bit to him. Um, <clears throat> and it was really cool to see things like the, the claws come out the way that they did. And, and I think there was... Because there wasn't a whole lot to compare it to, and don't forget at the time, it was the only quality Marvel movie aside from Blade that had ever been created. So I think our our bar was pretty low. Like we had pretty low standards on what was acceptable and what wasn't. I'd like to go back and watch that again because I haven't seen it in, in a long time. But I I watched it last year. I I always got the sense that he was a little weary. He had been around a while. The first time we see him he's, you know, drinking alone. At that bar, and like his after a, it wasn't after a cage fight, but I mean still like being a worn down cage. Yeah, like I thought he, I thought he presented the the road weariness well. I don't. Here's the problem: we've seen him age over the last twenty years or seventeen years, and Hugh Jackman has aged quite a bit. Look at what he looks like in, in Logan versus what he looks like now. He's so he aged in reverse. Like, he looks better now than he did... Like, he, sure, he's got some gray hairs and some crow's feet, but the dude's in way better shape than yeah, he was. Yeah, his muscles are bigger. I realize that. He's gotten better trainers as he's gotten Shut up, money. Ian. His muscles are bigger. <laughs> but but he the man looks <coughs> older. I Interruption mean, complete. <laughs> but what I'm saying is... Uh, now he has that like that that you know road weary warrior type look to him whereas before and and part of it's because i look at what he looks like now and compare what he looked like before and i the contrast is really striking and not necessarily in a good way um i just i always felt like wolverine kind of has lived lifetimes worth of of like just bad stuff and I'm not sure that Hugh Jackman in that first one exactly was that. Uh, I got that sense way more in Logan than I did in, in the first X-Men. Albeit I like the first X-Men better than Logan. Well, I, like, I don't think that you ever get a sense of Wolverine's height in X-Men books. It's never a thing. Physically, he's I, drawn... That's wrong. I, I would have to agree with Matt. It is a thing that he is shorter all right. than most of the um, characters. Sure. Yeah, he is shorter than all the characters. But it's never it's never beaten over the head that Wolverine's so small or so tiny. He's refer- so little. That's incorrect. He's like referred to as runt. Uh, he's always kind of like people are always trying to pick fights with him and he doesn't back down from like those and fights. Maybe I'm not reading the right X-Men books. But Anytime he faces off against Sabretooth, Sabretooth always has something to say about his size. But Sabretooth's, like, bigger than everybody. Like, Sabretooth would be like, Thor, you puny little guy. <laughs> Look at you, little bit of Thor. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I never got the sense in the books that the height was okay. a big thing. He was, he is smaller, he is shorter than everyone else, but I never got the sense that it was, it was such an ingrained part of the character his ferocity his his no quit that was always his like hair his hair the chops. yeah the chops the chops, yeah, the chops. The chops. 
I, I, I was glad that you brought up Hugh Jackman because he's actually one of the ones that I, I said does epitomize the character. Now, I do have a different background. I don't read, you know, the comics and stuff like you do. So I come at it as an outsider, just like going to see the movie to learn about the characters. And, you know, over the, the generations, I think that Hugh Jackman has grown into the character more. Yep. And, you know, was it six or seven movies he's been in in that character? When you see Hugh Jackman, some people automatically think Wolverine. And that's, I think, what epitomize, you know, means to me. It's like... When I see that actor, that's what triggers in my head. When we see Christopher Reed, we think, you know, the chest up and he sees Superman, you know, yeah. and the same thing with Hugh Jackman. When you see him, at least, you know, a good portion of the population think, wow, that was the guy that, that was, you know, Wolverine. Yeah, that's fair. But to, to me, and maybe this isn't fair, I feel like you, you have to have kind of that quality where it feels like you just jumped right out of the page and onto the screen and... Hugh Jackman doesn't have that. He he kind of like redefined what Wolverine is in the movies, but he definitely isn't the Wolverine from the from the page. No, I, I think he's only missing one trait, and I think it's the height. I think and that's, I think that's every... the biggest one, and it's yeah. a big one though. It, 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 it is a big one. He's seven feet tall, like you said. Seven feet tall, Hugh Jackman. But yeah, I I, I think to overlook all <coughs> the other things, the representations seven eight times that he's given us on screen like there 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 are bad wolverine movies there are bad x-men movies but there aren't bad hugh jackman wolverine performances so i'm, I'm gonna throw this out here and i expect matt to shoot it down because this is the seven foot hill he's going to dial <laughs> superman has always been drawn as muscles on top of muscles he is gigantic he is corn fed he, yeah he is huge christopher reeve tall guy Filled out, filled out the suit well, but wasn't muscles on top of muscles. Henry Cavill physically looks more like Superman than Christopher Reeve ever did. Mm -hmm. But Christopher Reeve got everything else. Like I think he informed mm -hmm. how writers wrote Superman what? because, like, you get you get Christopher Reeve's voice in your head and the way he delivers those lines yep. and the the. You know, the kindness and some of the comedy and everything that he puts in there makes up for maybe he's not the most ripped guy. I mean, he's not like Adam West is fat in that Batman suit. Christopher <laughs> Reeve is maybe two hoagies shy of that. <laughs> it's like he looks he looks so good, but it's here's he's not muscles on top of muscles. So right, that's another that's, that's another physical disparity. It's that, another case of somebody rapping around like Sending their um, th the way that they perform that character in it, like wrapping around what writers, artists interpret it as. Yeah. So here's the thing, though, about that comic book characters, uh, you know, in, on off the page, superheroes typically are drawn that way: muscles on top of muscles. You know, uh, Hugh Jackman. In X-Men 1 wasn't muscles on top of muscles. He became that, granted, but he wasn't that in X-Men 1. But I never brought that up. He's got a little bit of flab on his stomach. That's a good picture. He does have a little bit of flab, but by X2, he's ripped! He's ripped! <laughs> and he stays ripped forever! He Infinity! Ripped to Infinity! He fired his trainer after the first one. But he's he, he looks like he was... Drinking beer in that cage in Ottawa or Edmonton or wherever the hell. Alberta? Uh, Alberta? Was it Alberta? I, I, I was just naming... Edmonton is in Alberta. <laughs> I was naming Canadian Ottawa's cities. Ottawa's on the opposite side of the continent. Sus Saskatchewan? Is that a... That's out west. Saskatchewan, also a Canadian province. Right, okay. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just naming them. Are you just going by hockey teams, though? Yep. Yeah. Until <laughs> I, I went. I was going to say Saskatchewan. I'm yeah. not thinking of a team up there, but yeah. No, it was just the. It sounded Canadian, so I said it. Here's the thing Wolverine, Hugh Jackman, is like. He's not He's not making any list for me. He's not making the most. The one that epitomizes, you know, the the character, and he's definitely not making the, the crappy one either. So, Paul, let's move on from Wolverine. I have one more, one last thing to say about oh. about Wolverine, and it's that I really appreciate Hugh Jackman's dedication to the character, to playing the character, to you know being in little cameos as the character, his own movies as the character. 
he really embraced the culture, the you the, know, the common culture, yeah, everything. He really he really jumped into it. And in a way it's um uh like Christopher Reeve had said it a long time ago about how being Superman is an honor and you can't just you can't just step in and be Superman and then go do whatever you want. If you're going to be Superman, you need to be Superman. That needs to be reflected in your daily life. And Henry Cavill said the same thing when he was cast as Superman. And I really, I really appreciate when an actor comes in and honors the reverence to these characters that have been around for so long. Other than someone coming in and being like, mm, "I'll just get a paycheck for this," and then I'm out. Has there ever been another uh, actor that played one character as consistently as? Um... Hugh Jackman as Wolverine, like is Gigantor. Hugh Jackman. Yeah. <laughs> uh, who was the his Indian chief from uh, just just uh, Super Friends, right? Like the the Indian chief that grows. But what what was that superhero's name? Because he was just made up for Super Friends. Do, uh, and do you guys really not know who no, what I'm talking? About? Sorry. I know who you're, I know who you're talking about, but I can't I can't think of his name. Well, that joke fell. On Duffy. Oh, <laughs> I see where you're going with that. <clears throat> Forget it. So, but has there ever been anybody? Like, I mean, he's been Wolverine and I counted seven. In seven times? Seven movies, and not counting, it's like, Apache there's Chief. his face. Apache Chief. You know, just oh, yeah, Chief. Part, maybe he a line or something. For not just a picture on a screen okay. somewhere. I counted seven, give or take. Seven. All right, I mean, the... That's impressive. The closest that we can get in live action, I think, is Robert Downey Jr. in yep. Iron Man. I got him at six. Well, the Star Trek characters, probably, in those movies. Does that count? Aren't we in talking the, about... I just meant in movies. I mean, I don't think a James Bond has ever been James... Or how how many was... Now I'm really in uncharted territory, but like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all, all Larry, of us. Larry, get him! <laughs> No, um, I thought we were just talking about comic book movies. Okay. There, I don't think there has ever been a James Bond that has done more than five. So, and that's just a guess. From Roger somebody. Moore did a whole bunch. I think he's the most. Five is a lot, though. Nine yeah. different James Bonds. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I I think that uh, Downey Jr. is probably the closest in superhero lore that we're gonna get. Yeah. Um, um, I don't know off the top of my head how many outings, but... Ian, off the top of your head, who do you think best epitomizes the character that they played? Well, how about this? I've talked a lot. Why don't we talk to our special guest, Wayne, a little bit? <laughs> All right, nice segue. My, my, I, you know, I mentioned uh, Hugh Jackman. My second one, oddly enough, was Robert Downey Jr. in um, The Iron Man. And again, so wait, Hugh Jackman's your number one? Hugh Jackman was my number okay. one. Yep, Hugh Jackman was my Sorry number about one. That. I didn't know how many were dead. I picked a couple. <laughs> um, but yeah, well, that's good because I, I think we said everything there is to say about. Yeah, yeah. The Hugh we're, Jackman. Episode. We're free form. We do whatever. Exactly. So you know, Robert Downey Jr. Um, when the first movie came out, I was I was really excited because I thought that the character that he played um, as Tony Stark was just a huge pompous ass and it was awesome to see Robert Downey Jr. pull it off almost to the point where I'm thinking that's probably how he is in real life it wasn't <laughs> too far of a stretch for him um, but you know going along with what Paul was saying to see him commit to it and see him in you know little parts in other movies and then I guess it looks like he's going to be in the new Spider-Man movie coming up you know committed to it not just in it for a paycheck even when the novelty has probably worn off. I mean, I'm sure if you say, hey, you want to put on the Iron Man suit again? He's going, hey, for real? How many more movies are you going to write? I feel like he's right. He's telling the writers, like, all right, we're going to have me just step right out of this Iron Man suit, and I'm just going to do some regular old acting. Yeah. Because in the second Avengers, he did a lot of walking around, the suit floating around, doing other things. It looks like he does some of that in this yeah, yeah. Uh, Spider-Man movie, too. So, you know, that was... Uh, my, my second choice on that and, and I think longevity plays a part of it and I think that's where you were going uh, Matt with your question about how many movies mm -hmm. and, and how long have people been in but my I guess my tail off question on that is how much does money play into these when you're talking about these these big names who obviously get bigger when these, when these comic book movies do better Yeah. when they want more money how much is the money going to play in when they're talking about casting somebody 
you know? Is it going to come to a point where, man, this person would be great, but they're asking for too much, let's just bring in somebody else? I don't think that it plays a big role because I think that comic book movies are such a tentpole of the film like the entertainment industry not not just film but TVs cartoons um, just general everything superheroes are a big part of it at this point like not so much the actual comic books don't right. see any of this money but I don't think that there's ever going to be a time when somebody box at the amount of money that a studio could offer them I think it's the um, the terms of the contract and how many movies since we all we live in this expanded universe centric time where everything's connected to four different movies and do you want to give up the X amount of years of your professional career to play Doctor Strange yeah. you know like that's that's the sticking point I think but money I don't think money contracts do play a role I think that's when characters get exited out there there was a lot of thought behind Captain America and Chris Evans not playing a role further into the Marvel Universe because it's simply his contract ended right in the middle of the Infinity War. Last week he re-upped his contract, so now so he'll be back. a lot of people are like, wow, shit, I guess he's going to be in the new Spider-Man movie you yeah, know, I, I like was, three years from now. I was drawing the comparison with Christopher Reeve and that being that time was different then and I I just wondered if the way business has become big business, if that was going to make it more difficult for these iconic characters to be played by the same actors yeah. in the future. And I know he was talking about, you know, Wonder Woman, you know, she's it for the for the future of that character. And I'm just, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, well, you know, if contracts and money become an issue, will she be on for the long haul? But, but I don't think any of these actors' salaries as high as they can go for guys like Robert Downey Jr. It's still just a fraction of like the billion of dollars that that these movies make, and it's like if that billion dollars is jeopardized by an actor saying, eh, you know, I don't know, I'm gonna need a few more million, they're gonna be like, okay, do it. yeah. It's not like any of these entities, like any of these franchises, are owned by. Itty bitty indie companies. That's I mean, true. it's the biggest. It's Disney, it's and they Warner are. They're Brothers. putting out tons of movies, and you know, if one movie tanks, we know that the business is going to, you know, the, be fine. The right. smallest the more, hurdle that they have is keeping actors available for these roles. Right. I mean, it's it's a I, larger hurdle exactly. to write good movies and get them out on time. I think that's like the the more likely scenario to an actor leaving is just that them leaving, them getting bored doing the character. You know, that's what. Michael Keaton got bored doing Batman after just two. Yeah. Um, but I read an article this week that he would have been on board for, th yeah, for the third true. movie, but, but he just read it, and Tim Burton was not attached to it. The studios were moving away. He produced away. it. He produced it. But, but he wasn't on as the, the director, and he read and, um, Michael Keaton read the script yeah. and just said, no, nah, yeah. this doesn't sound like my right. cup of tea. So those of you two, do you have another one? Well, um, no, I did want to have an honorable mention. Okay. <laughs> I really feel, had his life not been cut short, Heath Ledger would have really epitomized the Joker character. And That's I, an interesting. I was going to say, it's, it's you know, I know that, I think the, the campus is split 50-50 on how Ledger portrayed the character of the Joker. You know, I liked it when Nicholson did it, and it was like, oh, it was kind of fun. And then to see Heath Ledger almost go completely the other end of the spectrum as a psychotic sociopath was fantastic. It's almost like with the portrayals by Nicholson, Hamill, and Ledger, they're like there's no room left for any other version. I mean, I, I you know I don't know. I'm not an actor. I don't know. But it, apparently Jared Leto ran into that problem because he didn't give us anything that was really Different. something that anybody latched on to. He didn't um, need to. He didn't yeah. need to do anything new. He needed to be the best live-action Mark Hamill Joker, and everyone would have been happy. But he wasn't. He you know, was, he only like, had, what, like 10 minutes of screen time in that movie from what I read? That's not a whole lot to make your mark. Yeah, right? even in the extended cut, the stuff that he was doing wasn't really... 
gonna change anybody's yeah perspective on what he, his version right so Paul do you have uh, do you have some some actors queued up that you think epitomize the, the heroes that they play or villains I, I, I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be hard to tell for a few years until like they're done with these characters and we see like how the ripples in the water like affect everything else going forward once like Robert Downey Jr. doesn't put the put the armor on again I think Chris Evans has done an amazing job between reading uh, Brubaker and Steve Epting's uh, Captain America run and Chris Evans as Captain America I mean they turned me around on who Captain America is and what that character is what he could potentially be what he has to offer in a world mm-hmm. with you know Thor and you know all these other yeah, amazing characters I think also he deserves credit too for he was also the human torch in those Fantastic Four movies he was great he was great he, he kind of stole the show uh, as far as the, the four of them yeah. I mean either that or Jessica Alba but uh We'll get that. We'll get that. <laughs> <laughs> she's she's up there, isn't she? On the other on the yes. other side of the list. So uh, what's cool though is that he was able to do that, and then he gets cast as Captain America. And I think we were all kind of like, really, they got the Human Torch to be Captain Captain America? I don't know if that's gonna work. And then you see him, and it's like, oh yeah, okay, I get it. it like he he instantly turns us all into believers. I Did you feel that says, way like right away as soon yes. as you saw oh the my first yeah. I think it was when it I took first the heard performance that. for me to get on board. I, I think when I first heard his voice performance that I forgot he was the human torch till you just said it. Did and you really? Like well, that's how much you're a dummy. that's I mean, how much he's been Captain America. When I see when I see Chris Evans, when I hear Chris Evans' name, it's immediate. It's Captain America. You and say, he's an amazing You've Captain only America. starred in one set of movies and never did anything else. Is that what He sounds think? so good as Captain America, too. He like does. He's got the perfect Cap voice. Yeah, he... he and you can't say anything it. about that, Ian. I'm not arguing. Did his physical that. size bother you in that one, too, Matt? What's that? His physical size when they did the thing. Oh, oh, oh snap! I'm just asking. They got that right, didn't they? That's, that's what I'm asking. Yeah, about that. Yeah, that well, works Thomas for me. Chris Evans. No, well, he went from that little scrawny guy, which almost was overdone. It was so ridiculous. It was overdone. Yeah. <laughs> when, it's it's hard to like mean. That's what I mean. It it's, like, it's hard to look at him because it, it almost looks like Benjamin Button, kind of, like with that little body. <laughs> His head didn't match. Yeah, it was like a little bit too big for the... Yeah. For the yeah. <laughs> For his AIDS patient physique, like there's no way that body supports the weight of that big head. Yeah, <laughs> he'd never get out of bed. <laughs> he looked like Willow. Ah. What? So Chris Evans, high high on the list for me. I think okay. he's been great. I'd love to see him keep doing cat movies if they can keep rolling out stuff like Winter Soldier, like do the Brubaker Epting espionage angle. Mm-hmm. It works great for him and Chris Evans is great at it he's also great in you know the big the big hero-y stuff like Avengers and I, Age of Ultron I'll tell you what I love when those actors come in and they surprise you you know like you hear about the casting like um, like Heath Ledger we all heard that and I think everybody was just kind of like really like you got that pretty boy Brokeback Mountain to be the Joker. Ten then, Things I Hate About You. He was great with Julia Stiles. He, that's a great movie. And then you see it, and you're like, oh, boy, am I stupid. That was amazing. You know, uh, another example would be, um, oh, man, I just had it. I just had it. Where did it go? DC Marvel. I think it was Marvel. Tom Hiddleston. No, you... Oh, this is gonna... Okay, this is kind of weird. Um, but... I actually think that um, uh, he's terrible Kier- as Loki. Kirsten Dunst was a good Mary Jane. <laughs> Tumblr. And I thought when they first cast her, she would be a train wreck. But I thought she was great in her chemistry with Tobey Maguire, who, I, again, I was like, oh, okay. But like, there wasn't a whole lot of 
confidence inspired when they announced that casting. I remember I was real excited when they said Sam Raimi was going to do it. I was like, okay, that seems right. But then you, know, you start hearing who's going to play who. And they were like, but, Toby Maguire, he was in the Cider House Rules. And, and I was like, what the fuck is that? Yeah, and Pleasantville. <laughs> I was like, Jesus Christ. Pleasantville, another great movie. Yeah. Well, apparently, uh, uh, Sam, Raimi, Sam Raimi thought so too. But like, I was surprised by those performances, and I was, they made me believers. You know, just like Chris Evans and and obviously Heath Ledger. Ian, don't give me the cinephile tag yet because I recently saw The Revenant and I thought it was boring. It is boring. What's but the Leo does eat a Leo DiCaprio. He does. Oh, I saw that. He does eat a. Yeah. Deer's liver. He does. You know how much protein's in liver? That's amazing. It's raw. He's in the snow. It's a movie. <laughs> you gotta do what you gotta do, man. I guess he did. Hey, he won the Oscar. So props to Leo. I have I have such a hard time uh, stepping off of Leo DiCaprio. I have such a hard time extolling the virtues of Heath Ledger's Joker because it's not my Joker. He was cool. It's not, it was but it's, great. it it's, worked great in that world. Like Heath Ledger was a great Joker, the Joker for me. Much like Christopher Reeve is the Superman, is it's Mark Hamill, Mark Hamill. from the animated mm-hmm. series. Unless someone right. does Mark Hamill and who is, live action, who is the Batman then? Kevin Conroy, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think so. So, yeah. so Mark Hamill, but strictly by voice because it's animated. Yeah, there's so much but Jared I mean, Leto, acting that goes Jared into Leto's that. Jared Leto's physical stature—he looks like the animated series Joker. They could have they could have done that so easily with his frame and the way his face looks. And he's a good actor. He could easily push himself into that role. And they should have said, "Just be Mark Hamill. You don't need to leave your mark. We just want something good. Just." Do watch the animated series. Do this. He is like, but I want to send dead fish heads to yeah, but like, these are the, the idiots that also were like, oh, and by the way, we're gonna dress you up in this snakeskin purple uh, yeah. gangster trench coat yeah. without a shirt underneath, or you know what? Maybe you can wear a club shirt from Rue Twenty One. The potential and then on is top there. of that, we're gonna give Shots you a fired Rue Twenty One. We're gonna give you some like bling and the tattoos. Like these, who who would these people have been to be like? Oh, and by the way. Uh, act like Mark Hamill. Like, they didn't know. They were obviously very dumb. Yeah. They were uh, dumb in all aspects. They weren't telling them how, how to act Yeah, at all. like, Batman, to me, is Kevin Conroy. Uh, Joker is Mark Hamill. When I read comics, to this day, those are the voices that I hear. If you're, if, if you're, di- if you're a comic book writer, and your dialogue doesn't sound like something Kevin Conroy's voice is going to say... You're not writing Batman properly. <laughs> Same with the Joker. That's just the way it is for me. If if you're if Kevin Conroy isn't gonna say your lines, you don't understand who Batman. Paul, is. let me ask you this: Do we have a definitive Spider-Man? Has that existed yet? I don't. I I think it's the same thing with live-action Batman, where we've seen pieces of Batman that we like, but maybe not. The whole thing, yep. and Paul. Yeah. I know I just jumped on you. No, no, that's. I think it's the that's same. That's that's a great answer for for that question. We've seen bits and pieces. Like I think, um, Michael Keaton's Batman is great. His Bruce Wayne's garbage. Val Kilmer's Bruce Wayne, great. His Batman's garbage. Like we've seen. Wait, 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 wait. Was his Bruce Wayne really great? It. I think it was great. I, I I'll go to bat with yeah, you on that. It was pretty it was great. Pretty great. Uh, um, everything besides him wearing glasses. Come on, stop putting I, Bruce Wayne in glasses. I don't think it was great. I know, that's fine. Yeah. So we've seen bits and pieces. We've seen good and bad from a lot of different actors over the years, but I don't think there's been a definitive Batman yet. I think Ben Affleck could be the closest live-action version, but it's almost like he's his Ben Afflecknes is so large that it's hard to... It's hard to separate Ben Affleck from the characters that he's playing. And yet, I think he's he is the best Bruce Wayne. He looks so perfect as Bruce Wayne. He does. He does. Yeah. Even though he's Ben Affleck. Yeah, yeah. He's he's the closest 
that we've come. Yeah, he's um, easily. I want to see more of. I want to see more of the lighthearted Kevin Conroy. Yeah, Bruce Wayne. Yeah, bring that. I want to yeah. see him joke. I joke think we might get that in Justice League. Yeah, there's, there's, there's potential. And getting back to Spider Man, I like. I don't want to call the shot, but I'm going to anyway. Like, we might get it with <clears throat> Spider Man Homecoming. We might get a good fusion yeah. uh, with Tom Holland's yeah. version. With the young enthusiasm, but sort of like some of the beat-down nerd of the, the the actual Peter Parker side of it. Um, there was a new trailer that was out that I, I haven't seen this clip um, until today, where Spider-Man's, he's climbing up the monument, and there's a helicopter with dudes looking to try to, I don't know what's happening. They want to shoot team. him for They're some looking reason. They're looking at you, and he, he Just gra- dudes, not... Smithsonian police. We think that was that SWAT. Was they were SWAT, they were, they were definitely SWAT and not the Smithsonian SWAT. SWAT. They weren't Smithsonians. Yes, they weren't. They definitely weren't that. But he grabs onto the top of the monument and he, he, he says, oh, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. And he throws himself off anyway and glides over the Swatsonians and... <laughs> Swings back Swatonians. and and like that right there, I feel like you get like the Spider Man and the Peter Parker and the 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 cockiness, but the apprehension, all the things that you need out of Spider Man that we haven't actually seen. We've seen some like glimpses of it with um, Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, especially Andrew Garfield's Spider Man is great. It's awesome. It's it's all the, the barbs and the wit and the humor that you expect from Spider-Man. But I think we're going to get it all merged in with Tom Yeah, Hall. I think Andrew I so. Garfield had a better Spider-Man, but I think Tobey Maguire had the better Peter Parker. You think so? Like the, that, uh, that was my sense of it. Peter yeah. Parker was more the nerdy kind of, you know, whatever. Yeah, and then Garfield Peter Parker. Really yeah, he was fucking yeah. cool cat. Yeah, he yeah was, that, was, that wasn't how he was supposed pussy. to be. He was. <laughs> he was that <laughs> big fucking gorgeous head of hair. He just gave Mary Jane <laughs> and Gwen Stacy stiff arm, dual stiff arms. Like, get out of my way. I'm fucking everybody else in high school. <laughs> A name that always pops in my head when we're talking about who the best Spider-Man is is voice actor Josh Keaton, who did... Peter for the spectacular Spider-Man. Great show. Uh, he also did Hal Jordan in Green Lantern, the the animated series, and he he's both of those characters for me. They're two separate characters. They don't like he sound. They don't necessarily sound incredibly different. I thought he sounded too other. old in Spectacular Spider-Man. It was a great portrayal of of Peter of Spider-Man. It all worked out. So great, but I I'm with Ian. I think Tom Tom uh, Holland Tom Holland maybe the Spider Man. Well, we've for. already seen him in in um, Civil War, and he was pretty much spot on there. So mm-hmm. yeah, like when when he's <laughs> like when he catches um, uh, Winter Soldier's punch, and he's like, "You have a metal arm! How cool! Like awesome! Yeah. Like yeah. that's I can't wait to see like how he." behaves in homecoming and again a lot of that's going to be the writing too is he going to be able to get the writing that's going yeah, to help him yeah. to excel you know because they're not going to just let him go off and right. freelance yeah this isn't a uh, han solo movie joint here <laughs> so who who don't we like well wait, are, i'll tell you who i like do we want to oh yeah, yeah. i gotta wait for the grand finale uh well can i give two i want to give two as many as we I want it's our show <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's what's our motto? Fuck the listeners. So there's there's <laughs> unfortunately a, yes. There's a criteria that like I thought for myself like sometimes an actor can be so big that you can't see past them like Ben Affleck or Robert Downey Jr. and then that almost disqualifies them because like you just can't see past that like a lot of the times. I feel like Robert Downey Jr., while he's perfect for Iron Man, is just Robert Downey Jr. And it's like, Robert but Downey Jr. and Tony Stark are just the same guy. Were they? Or did he do a Jeff Bridges when once he once he was Tony Stark, he was like, oh, I like this. When Johnny Depp did Jack Sparrow, then he was like, oh, I like this. And then, since then, Johnny Depp in real life 
is Jack Sparrow. Jeff Bridges in real life is the dude. Mm, and I don't. I think it's different. I think that Robert <laughs> Downey Jr. is that guy, and all the other media has sort of like changed a little bit what Tony Stark is to fit Robert Downey Jr. But the 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 quest the the what I was talking about isn't what the comic books and the writers have done because that absolutely happened. But now it's not like it's not so much Robert Downey Jr. made Tony Stark RDJ. Right. It's that RDJ became Tony Stark after he played that role. I no, I think he always was like that, just like more coke. And he just leveled out <laughs> coke. <laughs> and then he was he was just Iron Man at yeah. that point. Like I minus think he coke was always plus, kinda like that. Like okay. minus coke plus booze, still Iron Man. That's why I thought he was such a good casting decision when they announced it all those years ago, because I felt like a guy that has his own kind of demons that he struggled with, playing a character that in the comic books had his own alcoholism struggles and everything. I felt like that was pretty inspired casting. And at the time when that casting was made, we thought Marvel was going to have balls and they were actually going to do something like that. And then they were like, oh no, we're movies for kids. Our characters can't possibly have an alcohol addiction. And then they were bought by Disney and that was absolutely squashed. That was in the that was page one of the contract. Tony Stark will never be no, an alcoholic. Done. So with with that said, with some of these actors being so big, I was like, okay, that's the criteria. And then I thought of somebody, and I was like, well, there goes that theory because I think Wesley Snipes' Blade kind of is that character. I know they made a TV show, but I couldn't help but look at him and be like, that's not Blade. Blade should be Blade. I never watched it, but shouldn't didn't that guy play Wesley Snipes how, as Blade? How dare we sit there and not reference Sticky Fingers from Onyx, who played Blade in those TV shows? Well, that's like how the band dare that's how we know. The yes, the Onyx. musical group Onyx. <laughs> so that's Sticky Fingers is Onyx. Just that's how we know Sticky Fingers. Is not at the top of this list. <laughs> for me, that was my number one. Damn it! For me, I, also what helps to propel yourself to the top of my list is when I'm not overly familiar with the comic book character. So that means they can kind of come in and and take command of you know the character, and I'm not comparing it to anything. And I felt like. Wesley Snipes as Blade was just perfect. I, I loved the way that he portrayed the character, especially in the first, especially the second one. I felt like you kind of really opened up the character a bit, and he had such a cool look, and he was just such a badass, you know? And then my second one that I think is also similar in that fact is that I don't know this character that great from the comics is, is Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. I thought that she just took command of the character and and actually interested me more in that character than anything I've ever read from the from her in in the comics and I think that her portrayal like I don't know is that her real accent that she has in the movie yeah she's yeah. Israeli I know she has an accent but I don't know if she changed it or whatever but whatever it is it freaking works and it's just right it, it just seems works. like the like Patty Jenkins and the production staff sort of kind of gave a heads up to the rest of the actors on Themyscira to kind of like put on an accent, any accent, but something that's close to what Gal Gadot's doing mm -hmm. because I, I, it makes her feel otherworldly uh, yeah. and not of where we're from. So, right. Uh, yeah, it's not like a British accent, which is pretty much the default accent to give a character mm -hmm. if they don't have an American accent. Uh, although usually it's kind of reserved for villains, but... Um, she was German a lot. Those she also, villains. I felt like she also looked just the way that she should look. You know, she just stepped right out of the comic book, and that's a big part of it too. And um, I think both uh, Wesley Snipes as Blade and Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman—they're they, so 
captivating. Like you just, they just look so good, and they just become those characters completely. I'd like to give a couple last minute noms on the good side. Ryan Reynolds, Hal Jordan, and Mark Strong's Sinestro. Can I give a couple real quick too? Ryan Reynolds, Deadpool, and uh, Patrick Stewart's Professor Xavier. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for years, everybody looked at Professor X and kind of mashed him up to to Jean-Luc Picard. And then we finally actually got that on screen, and it was every bit as good as we thought. It was like one of those... Do you guys... You don't remember this, Paul, but Wizard. Wizard Magazine. Casting call, I know what you're talking about. I remember that, though. Okay, so casting call. They did the casting call for the X-Men movie where they would pick who they thought should play these characters in movies that we knew were never going to happen. They they cast, you know, Spider-Man, X-Men, Superman, Tom everything. Cruise is Spider-Man. No, no, no. Tom Cruise was going to be Iron Man. Mm. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio <clears throat> is Spider-Man? No, I'll tell you who Spider-Man was. Um, uh, John Cusack Ugh. was Spider-Man. But he was even too old for that in 93. <laughs> but... But this is On before. This before. Um, oh. oh, how dare you! I'm sorry. This is before they made superhero movies like as the norm. You know, you would get maybe a Batman movie every four years or something. Yeah, it was complete that was fiction. It. Right. So they did the X Men one, and they they said that you know uh, Patrick Stewart should be Professor X, and it was like, well, duh. Like, I mean, it was a foregone conclusion. It's as if they they drew the character after they saw the actor, similarly to what they did with Nick Fury with Samuel L. Jackson. Um, and I would say that that would be perfect, except for the fact that that's exactly what they did. They mm-hmm. drew him based on Samuel L. Jackson, and then real life repeated mm-hmm. fiction. I feel like Patrick Stewart from the '60s then adjusted his look. To be like Professor Xavier for decades, <laughs> just so until he, he cast. until he was cast. He's like, I'll do this stupid Star Trek thing until they put me in the X Men. Yep, uh, unquote. Yep. Yeah, so. Patrick Stewart's a great pick. All right, so we're getting, we're starting to push up against it. So let's get into the fun part, Paul. Who are some of the worst uh, casting decisions that embody these comic book characters? Wayne, do you have one? I'd have to say Eric Bana as the Hulk. Hmm. Interesting choice. Interesting. There's so many that's bad a, ones. It's interesting you pulled that one Like, did you know that Maybe. you're walking into a, a Hulk house? <laughs> a, the, just general love for the Hulk? I, and I, I love the Hulk. I just didn't think Eric Bana convinced me. Yeah. And it came out, and I was... Maybe my expectations were too high. Um, was I was it, looking forward was to it. Was it him, just, or was it the crappy movie, though? Well, the movie stunk, too. I mean, the movie was shit, but I just... I would have liked to have said that I could have taken... Well, the movie was crap, but he was really good, and I I just couldn't say that. And maybe it's also magnified by the fact that um, when they redid it and Ed Norton was there, I thought he did a really good job doing it. So I don't know. It it could be a variety of things, but just... I I don't know. Yeah, Ed Norton and Mark Ruffalo feel more... Mad scientisty to me. Like Eric Banner is one of those actors. Wait, wait, wait. Bruce Banner's not a mad scientist, though, right? Like he's a he's an accident. He's an experimental yeah, scientist. Or, yeah, ex- experimental scientist. Um, well, he goes a little crazy trying to Eric, fix himself. Eric Banner's one of those actors that he's almost handsome enough to be the leading guy, but too. Too handsome to be, like the nerdy sidekick. He's so he like walks this like middle road through his entire career. Colin Farrell's kind of the same way. Like there's something he's almost the leading guy. He's always the leading guy. What are you fucking talking about? Yeah, in failed projects because SWAT made a lot of money. Yeah, stuff makes money, but he's never he's never been the guy. Colin Farrell. Yeah. Mm. That's fine. Like you guys, there's, like I'm I've not read, even gonna, I'm, I'm not even going to look about, it up. That's like, fine. Colin Farrell is a leading man. I've read articles about this exact thing. I've watched movies about his charisma. I've seen it. 
I've seen it too. I'm a big Colin Farrell fan, but he's not. He's he's not George Clooney, uh, Brad Pitt, Ben Affleck. Like that's that's the tier that. I don't People know. I mean, like, what, Colin what you, Farrell to be what, when he came onto the scene. No, 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 and no, no. He never but like, graduated what, to that. What what makes him not graduate? Because I feel like I his don't movies know. do make that amount of money. Um, and not he, only does he make blockbusters, but he makes weird shit like The Lobster. And, I know. I'm with you 100%. So one fucking article that you read swayed your opinion, you pussy. How did you I'm like him as Bullseye, by the way? Terrible. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, with you. See, I'm with you all the way, but he... But the the point the fact is he's never he's never gotten to that level he just hasn't. I like him. You like him. He should be. He hasn't. Eric Bana is kind of the same way. Like I've seen Eric Bana be funny and charismatic. I think he's a good actor, but he's just never broken out of that. And he's not. He just he's just not Bruce Bruce Banner. He just never felt comfortable. In that role, he doesn't feel sciencey enough to me. Mark Ruffalo is perfect because Mark Ruffalo, I feel like, got great grades in high school. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Pull up his report card. Yeah, 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 yeah. I have Mark Ruffalo's report card in front of me. He did really good. And you know what? I only need one letter to describe it. If I'm going to pick a horrible casting, it's going to be Jessica Alba's Sue Storm. Don't cast a sexy Latina. Don't cast a sexy Latina. To be a dorky Swedish scientist. Not the Sue Storm Swedish, but blonde hair, blue eyes, Nazi poster girl. Like, so they cast Jessica Alba, they force her, they dye her hair blonde, it looks flat, fake the entire movie. They give her these horrible blue contacts. They don't even CG it at that point so that maybe. It looks real. CG couldn't help it because you would contacts. have to like her, her skin and her features make it I know. look unworldly. I know she was an alien in that movie. I, it, like so, it was like, poor casting, like but it was fucking shit. <laughs> like her, so terrible casting. But how did she do trying to be in the role, or could you just not get past? The well, she's a terrible actress. She was cast. You can't you can't get past any of it. It's like Eric, how Eric Bana is just not a believable scientist. Jessica Alba is just not a believable scientist. If you cast like I thought. Um, Kate Mara did a good job as Sue Storm. Oh, yeah, I believe yeah. Kate Mara to be a scientist. Mm-hmm. I mean, she like she looked well enough like Sue Storm. She's bitchy enough. like scientists yeah. that I know. But <laughs> Jessica Alba was just so off the mark. She was just just so so bad. And girls out there, I've said this before on the podcast. If you have brown eyes and you think light colored contacts look good. You are 100% wrong. They always look terrible. I'm being honest for the betterment of yourself. Sauce, uh, beauty podcast. The more you know. The beauty pod. <laughs> um, yeah, Jessica was really bad. Uh, Bull, uh, Colin Farrell's bullseye was bad, too. Even though I don't know a lot about bullseye, I, kinda, I wanted him to be a more a more stoic, less I kind of think he was guy. fun, though. Like, if he didn't have... All the terrible, like, scarification on his head. If you gave him the regular bullseye outfit and, like, still had that manic, crazy Irish personality, like, I kind of would still be in with that. I don't know a lot about, a lot about bullseye. So, like, I, I, I probably had the same, the same, uh, chance that Matt had going into Blade. Matt's not all that familiar with Blade. He's not a fleshed out character to begin with. So Wesley Snipes can put his stamp on that. Like Bullseye's cra- not stoic. Bullseye's yeah. crazy. I don't know anything about Bullseye going into that movie. Colin Farrell had a chance to make him my Bullseye. But there it was it was just weird and it was something bad was goofy movie, about it. You know, like, I didn't like like I knew what Bullseye looked like. I knew of Bullseye. I knew he didn't have a Bullseye stamped into his forehead to to keep it on the daredevil movie my and this one hurts my heart to say worst portrayal of a comic book character america's sweetheart jennifer garner electra like so (laughs) off base from what i think electra should be jennifer garner is just sweetness and light she just she's not a Ninja Assassin. It just isn't really in her wheelhouse. And like, yeah, 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 she was on Alias and shit. But 
that's not really what she embodies to me. And Electra, better portrayed, I forget the actress's name, but better portrayed in the second season of Daredevil. Yeah. Um, yeah. A little more on target with because... the, like, um, moralless ninja assassin. Just, like, just dirty. Sexy, dirty. Jennifer yeah. Garner is, like, her best, some of her best work is 13 going on 30. She is. Right, right. America's sweetheart. Right. Paired up against paired up against one card just because she's in the commercials. (laughs) Jennifer Garner and that straight A student, Mark Ruffalo. Yes. Thirteen going on thirty. That's what I like. That movie is magical. (laughs) Jennifer Garner is Electra. Not feeling it. Who else wants who else wants to give it? Well, um a really bad portrayal would have been Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool the first time around in the uh, Wolverine movie because I don't know what that was honestly well you gotta split that one in half because Wade Wilson was really good whenever he was doing the Wade Wilson stuff with the he was basically doing Deadpool without the costume right right Um, and I thought that was great and it gave the it laid the foundation for fans and eventually the director of Deadpool to see something in Ryan Reynolds mm-hmm. and want to make that film. But the version that we got with the sewed up mouth and the yeah, hands, like it, it was the antithesis of what Deadpool is. Right. Like who thought that was good? Yeah, Merc without a mouth. Uh, so that needs to be mentioned because it was, it was pretty atrocious. Uh, but I want to say probably you know, th- this is kind of a two-parter as well, because one half of it was really cool, and that was Ben Kingsley as Mandarin. But then they have the big twist, and he turns into a cartoon character, and then it was a terrible portrayal of the character. And it was so bad for just that one half of his acting that I feel like it, it needs to be on the list. It was so bad. They had they had an actor in the first Iron Man movie that they alluded to being right the Mandarin right and he had the rings right and he would like I don't know if they just lost faith in that actor because since then I've seen him in a bazillion bit roles on TV shows so maybe they he maybe he just what he just wasn't up to snuff but they had already compared to Ben Kingsley well absolutely Oscar winning Ben Kingsley Ian. But yeah, I mean, they, yes, he, he could have been. He, he could have been so cool. <coughs> ben Kingsley could have been so. Well, he was for right. half of it, right? Well, Shane Black wanted to write a fucking slapstick comedy, and he that's did. what we goddamn got. What so. did Shane Black do since? Since that, since he's. Then. I don't know something. Cool. He did the Nice Guys, which was a really. Which is really good. Really you good know movie. what the Nice Guys is? Comedy. <laughs> yeah. It's like getting Miller and Laura to do your Han Solo movie. Oops! When it's but it, it's not supposed to be Han Solo evening at the improv. I think that's gonna do it, Paul. You think so? Uh, I mean, we can keep going, but Wayne. No, I. Any, I any parting words for actors or otherwise? <laughs> no, I think we covered a lot. I think that. Uh... We got to touch on the Batmans, which I was hoping somebody was going to bring up because I didn't want to just, you know, go off on all my tangents. Or, we touch multiple Batmen. That's what we do. We touch a lot of men. I mean, Batman. We always <laughs> touch men. <laughs> that's good. Wayne, thanks so much for uh, thanks so much for being on the episode. I appreciate you guys having me down here. It's a lot of fun. We appreciate your dedication. We to do. The sauce brand. Mm-hmm. Love it. Love it. Got to get everybody listening to the podcast, checking out the strips because they're fucking awesome. <laughs> thanks, thanks, buddy. We didn't even we didn't even cue that up. That you wasn't didn't even a cue card. <laughs> you didn't have to. I'll put my gun away for now. <laughs> <laughs> Careful, I got mine. <laughs> well, thanks to everybody for listening. My name is Paul McGinty. Ian Sharpley. Macasal, but I just wanted to say God damn it <laughs> For you listeners, hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, and let us know who you think are the the best and worst epitomizing casting decisions. And also, uh, if it's not too much trouble, please leave a five star review. In iTunes. In iTunes. Good night.